Welcome to the Heme Consult Podcast, a weekly inspiration infusion for women of color and hematology. Dear woman of color and hematology, Heme Consults is your personal space to rest, recharge, and renew your spirit with a weekly infusion of inspiration from hematologist Dr. Toyasi Anwemena. Every Sunday, Dr. Anwemena will remind you that you are a superstar and have everything you need to succeed in your incredible career as a hematologist. Welcome to the Hematology Sisterhood that will transform your world. Welcome to Heme Consults. I am your host, Toyasi Anwemena, hematologist, physician scientist, and educator. Today's episode is about completing the series of three episodes that we started on how to become a woman of color in hematology. Today, the emphasis is on hematology. How do you become a woman of color in hematology? As you're learning, there is a process, and I will share with you the process for becoming a woman of color, emphasis on hematology in hematology today. But first, I want to start by just sharing a word of encouragement with you, a woman of color in hematology. And I want to tell you that you're supposed to be here. You may be wondering, am I supposed to be here? Do I even belong here? How did I end up here? (laughs) I just want to stop and say that, yes, yes, you're here because you're supposed to be. You're here because you deserve to be. You're here because you belong here. And no, you may not feel like you're supposed to be here. You may not feel like you belong. You may not even feel like you deserve to be here. But how you feel is one thing, but what is true is the other. And what I want to ask you to do is let go of the feelings that don't match up with the truth. And the truth is that you are supposed to be here. You're here because you're supposed to be here. You're here because you have a contribution to make. You're here because your voice is valuable. You're here because your ideas are critical to the field moving forward. And so don't ask, are you supposed to be here? Answer the question, how am I supposed to be here? Don't ask, am I supposed to be here? Which is a binary yes or no question. Not too much good will come out of those spaces. But do ask, how? How am I supposed to show up here? Clearly, you're here. So then you're supposed to be here because you are. And now how? How are you supposed to show up? And that, I'm inviting you into that space, the space of asking and answering the question of how. How are you supposed to show up here? I want you to discover that. Because in your discovery, whoa, the field gets transformed. The ideas you have to transform this field, nobody else has them. Mm Mm-mm. Mm -mm, Nobody has your ideas. And that's why if you don't bring your ideas to this space, we're not going to advance in the way we're supposed to. Until you show up, until you accept that you're supposed to be here and then do what you came to do, this field doesn't move forward. There's a narrative in the field of hematology that doesn't get overturned until you show up, until you start to act like you're supposed to be here because you are. And so that's my word of encouragement to you today. If you're wondering, am I really supposed to be here? Do I really belong? The answer is yes. 
You are supposed to be here. Yes, you belong. And even when you don't feel like all those things are true, they're still true. I want you to focus on what is true. All right. Men talk today about how to become a woman in hematology. We spoke about how to become a woman in the process that and the transition and the acceptance that has to come out of that space. And we also talked about how to become a woman of color and the transitions that need to happen for you to leave, transition to spaces where people don't look like you and accept your colorhood. Now we're going to talk about what it means to be a woman of color in hematology. So my theme scripture for this one is Genesis chapter 3. So when I'm talking about how to be a woman of color in hematology, emphasis on hematology, I'm really talking about blood. <laughs> yes, hematology is about blood. And here's the thing about blood. If you see blood, pain occurred. Like, because blood, you know, rests inside the body and if it's coming out, someone's hurting somewhere. <laughs> Maybe I think about if you have a nosebleed, it could hurt. I I've had a lot of nosebleeds. They can they can be painful. Sometimes they can they're uncomfortable. So at least there's been discomfort. There's there's pain. There's some level of discomfort. If you see blood, there's a level of discomfort, right? And you know, you know, like you know, at least once a month you may experience the level of discomfort that comes with seeing blood. Just saying. But um, <laughs> let me start by sharing my story. And you're, you, you might ask, how does this relate to blood again? But it will come together by the end. You'll see. The story I want to tell, I've kind of shared a little bit of before. I'm going to share again. It's about a woman named Laura. And, and who Laura has been in my life and what she has meant to me. Now, Laura is a woman who picked me as a mentee, as a medical student. I don't even know. There must have been some program, maybe, where they paired women of color with women of color. There must have been. I don't know. But somehow, in ways I, I don't fully understand or can't explain, Laura was assigned to or picked me. It matters not. Laura sat with me as a medical student, and she would ask how I was doing, how things were going in medical school. And, and it was just nice to have someone who was totally unrelated to any of the coursework I was doing, any of the rotations I was on. I just, you know, to have someone else that I knew was really helpful. And so Laura was that person for me. And as I transitioned through my education and got to a place where I was really choosing a specialty Laura came into full focus for me again because I now started to consider hematology as a career. And this really happened in residency. And I stayed at the same place for medical school and residency. And so it became important that, you know, Laura's, Laura's role in hematology was relevant to me because, wait, here I was considering becoming a hematologist. And I already knew a hematologist. And so I started talking to Laura about opportunities to do research and opportunities to round with her and be with her in clinic. Actually, you know, Laura was one of my rounding attendings as a resident. So I knew her in the background. And then I also knew her because I worked with her. I just really, I loved the enthusiasm and the joy that came from this woman. I, I, 
I relate a lot of the things and the joyful experiences that I had in hematology with, with Laura. Really. Clearly, there were other people in hematology, but she really resonates for me because she was the first person I met in hematology. Anyway, so Laura, you know, was a mentor to me early on and, and continued to be a mentor to me for a while. And even after I left my institution for residency and I moved on for fellowship, I still stayed in touch with Laura. And when I finally came to the place where I was deciding to take a faculty position, I went back to the place from which I'd started and where Laura still was. And I think, though I, I couldn't have said it clearly then, the fact that Laura was there was a draw for me. The fact that she had succeeded there was a draw for me. The fact that she was thriving in her role as a patient advocate and an advocate for, for mentees was, was a draw for me. And there were many reasons why I chose my faculty position, but I think Laura was in the background of that. And I, I at least celebrated the fact that I was going to be faculty with someone who I had looked up to since I was a medical student. <laughs> and so it was kind of a shock and a disappointment when I arrived as a newly minted faculty member and Laura announced that she was leaving. Yeah. It was a little bit of, there was not a little bit, there was a lot of sadness there. There was, I mean, I didn't specifically choose the institution because of Laura, but I expected that I would have a built-in system of support because Laura was there. But here's one thing that happened. Before Laura had left, somebody else, another woman of color had come to join. Her name is Regina. Regina, I love you. And, and I don't know if Regina came because of Laura. I, I suspect there was some of that. Some, there was something to do with Laura as being the draw for Regina because Laura is just full of warmth. If you meet her now, Laura is just full of warmth and joy. Like she just draws you. She's just, she's, she's just got beautiful energy. But first there was Laura and then there was Regina and then there was me. Right? And in a sense, the fact that Laura was here was kind of like a beacon of light saying, hey, you can come here because I'm here. And even if we couldn't express it, even if we couldn't say, this is why we are making a choice. This is one of the reasons that is driving us here. The fact that there are other people who kind of, you know, laid the path or led the way for us, it does make a difference in our choices. And people now will tell me, wow, you guys have so much diversity. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it started with Laura. And, and, you know, I only know the story that goes as far back as Laura. I bet there's a story behind Laura and I'll have to find that out. But right now, when I, I think the, the point I'm making in the story is that First, there was Laura, and she was a draw for Regina, and she was a draw for me. And after the fact, I learned about some of the challenges that Laura experienced. And so even while she was supporting me and celebrating me and encouraging me, she was going through some challenges herself, and she had need for encouragement as well. I'm going to stop there with the story. Now I'll come to my lesson is whenever you see blood, it's because it hurts somebody. Someone's hurting somewhere. Blood's coming because someone's either was made uncomfortable or is hurting. And to be in hematology, the first step is to recognize that a price has been paid. So while Laura was supporting and encouraging me, she 
she paid some steep prices and, and maybe is continuing to pay the price wherever she is. But in order for me to enjoy all the things that she shared with me, a price was paid. And I don't know who paid the price for Laura, but I know she paid a price for me. And so I think the lesson I want to share is that in order for there to be a woman of color in any space, particularly in hematology, somebody, somebody, somebody paid a price. Blood was shared, shed somewhere. <laughs> I'm being metaphorical. I'm being philosophical, but blood was shed somewhere. It costs somebody something. For some people, it costs them their careers. For some people, it costs them their lives so that somehow you could make it. So hematology is about prices being paid. The second lesson is that in order for the price to mean something, you got to make, make new knowledge. You got to create new knowledge. And one of the other spaces in which the price has been paid is really by patients. The index case with sickle cell disease, the index case with von Willebrand disease, these patients died. Many of our patients who come with acute leukemia, we know them. They pay the ultimate price. But from the price that they pay comes new knowledge. New knowledge that is only relevant if this knowledge is disseminated. And so to become a woman of color in hematology, number one, you ought to recognize that a price has been paid so that you could be here. And then that the only way this price makes sense is if somebody somebody shares that knowledge. Laura paid the price for me to be where I am. And she's one of many. Betty is one of those women who've paid that price. They made room for me. They made room for me. And, and part of how they made room for me was by sharing the knowledge that they had. Betty is a fantastic grant writer and getter of grants. And she shared some of her knowledge with me. And Laura is an excellent advocate for patients. And she shared some of her knowledge with me. So that you don't become a woman of color in hematology until you can pay it forward by making the knowledge known. How do you do that? How you do that is to look and see where can you spread the word? Where can you share the knowledge? And, and yeah, sometimes it comes from publishing it, like writing the article, submitting the manuscript, so that somebody else's life is changed, that somebody doesn't have to pay the sacrifice twice. Let the sacrifice be made only once. Like, okay, we paid this price, and this is what came from the price that was paid. But if the knowledge is not disseminated, if the knowledge is not shared, then you know what? The price has to be paid again. If we don't carry forward our information about sickle cell disease from this patient who was particularly challenging in a certain way, then someone's got to pay that price again. And people keep paying the price until somebody makes the knowledge known so that we can move on to the next level. And so number two from here is that being a woman of color in hematology is making sure that the blood that was shed counts. <laughs> is from making sure that the sacrifice means something by making it known. Whatever way that is, podcast and a blog and meetings with mentees, make the price count. 
Make the price count for something. Know that the price was paid. Then make the price count for something. And then the third aspect of that is that in order to make this price count for something, you've got to be on the lookout for where the sacrifice matters most. Okay, this is really important. I'm going to lean in now to tell you more about this. There's a lot of places where blood is being shed where it should not be shed. I'm just going to say that. I'm being metaphorical and philosophical here. What I'm saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. There are some sacrifices you're making in spaces where the sacrifice is not necessary, is not needed, doesn't move things forward. Remember, let's go back to the beginning. I said, recognize that a price was paid. And number two, so this price has got to count for something. It's got to count. But number three is also don't pay a price where it's not going to count for anything. I'll give you an example just to shed a little bit of light on this. I, <laughs> recovering people pleaser that I am, once took a position where I, I just decided that whenever there was nobody else available to take the call for this area, I would do it. And it even came to a point where I said, well, we're in such trouble in this space that I'm just going to take call all the time. And wow, I was taking a lot of call. And I hate call. I hate losing sleep <laughs> over call. I do. And in a sense, I worked myself into a place of sickness, paying a sacrifice that people didn't care about. Should I have been losing sleep in this space? The answer right now is yes. Then I was just trying to, you know, save the world. Something like that. And I finally got to a place where people were like, you know what? You're too sick. You suck. <laughs> I had paid the price in a space where the price didn't count. I have been as generic as possible with the story. There's a lot more aspects to it. And maybe I will share a little bit more at a future time or in a future episode. But I think what I'm saying is that there are some spaces where your price is disdained. They're like, yeah, yeah, we, we don't. We don't really think much about what you did. I want you to pay attention to that because it means that the price is not really moving things forward. Choose to pay a price where it counts. I'm going to be so bold as to say, if it if you can translate this knowledge into an article that other people can read, that's that's a price to pay that counts. If you can translate your knowledge and hematology into a grant that releases new knowledge into the world, that's a price I think that counts. If you can transform this new knowledge into a presentation that helps other people care for patients better, that's a price to me that counts. But the price you pay to impress the attending who is unimpressible may not be a price worth paying. The price you pay to impress your colleagues that you are hot and happening may not be a price worth paying. The price you pay to look like everybody else, ooh, that's a price. And I'm not sure it's worth paying. So to go back to my summary of hematology really being about blood, in the moment you can see blood, it's outside of the body and it costs something for you to see that blood. It was uncomfortable for someone. Even in your monthly period, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I had to go there. 
But I want you to recognize that you're where you are because somebody, somebody paid a price. So you be ready to pay the price too. Make the price count. Make the price count. Make sure somebody else hears about it. Make sure someone else learns what you learned. Make sure the knowledge is passed on in whatever way resonates with you as far as sharing that knowledge. Please make sure that the price that was paid counts for something. And then you make sure that you are paying a price where it matters that a price is paid. Don't pay prices. Don't pay a price where your people don't recognize the sacrifice. Many of us come to hematology because we want to make a difference in the world. We do. We see patients not treated well. We see patients maybe could have a better quality of life. We see patients whose voices need to be heard. And we are deeply passionate about some of the work we came to hematology to do. And so honestly, we're all kind of in that space of lesson number three, where we're here to make it count. So I want to encourage you, you take your energy and your precious blood from the spaces where it doesn't count, from the spaces where people couldn't care less how much you bleed, into the spaces where people really need you, into the spaces where you want it to come and make the difference all along. I remember a quick story that I'm going to share. When I started, I was... um a hematologist trying to be a cardiologist. That is about as much as I'm going to say about that. And I was trying so hard to make this thing in cardiology work. I really was. And it wasn't until I reoriented myself toward my hematology brain, toward my hematology personality, toward my hematology identity, that the sacrifice really, really started to pay off. I'm in hematology for a reason. What was I doing in cardiology? Yeah, there's a story to that. I'll tell you about it later. But do you understand that until I started putting my energy and my effort into hematology, I was paying a price in a space that actually didn't count. Because you know what? The cardiologists wouldn't buy my thoughts. And the hematologists certainly were like, what's a hematologist doing in cardiology? They really thought I was incredible. And I really wasn't. Because if I wanted to be a cardiologist, I should just be a cardiologist. (laughs) Now I fully embrace my hematology identity by putting my sacrifice, my blood, sweat, and tears in the spaces that are meaningful to me. And I want to encourage you to do that. You know, you know those spaces where you're paying a price and you see no benefit. You know, you know, because they're the spaces that make you go home and cry. They're the spaces that make you wonder if you're supposed to be here. They're the spaces that make you question your credibility. So stop, stop, stop paying a price in those spaces. (laughs) (laughs) I already started with my call to action, but I'm going to do it anyway. What is my call to action? I want you to recognize the sacrifices that were made for you. And this is not so that you are like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And I couldn't be anything that I was without you. Not necessarily so that you like have this obligatory gratitude, but just so you recognize And it's exactly because a price was paid that you're supposed to be here. You know, I said at the beginning, I said, you are supposed to be here. There's no question about it because somebody paid a price that ensures that you could be here. So yes, you are supposed to be here. Even if people are treating you like you're not, you are. (laughs) A price was paid. Okay. So I want you to recognize, recognize what was paid 
so that you recognize that because the price was already paid, you are here on purpose because you're supposed to be. And second call to action is to ask you to pay a price. To be honest, I know that you're already paying a price. And that's why my third call to action moves along with my second. Pay a price where it counts and stop paying prices where it doesn't count. So in those spaces where they're like, well, you don't belong here, pay the price in the spaces where people celebrate you. Stop fighting. I was fighting in my space in cardiology. I was fighting so hard. And really, it was just that. It was the sacrifice being paid in the wrong place. So don't. Don't be like me. At least, or be like me and and eventually decide to stop investing that energy in a space where, (laughs) in a space where the price doesn't count. Hematology needs you. Hematology needs you. You're here because you have something to contribute. And I hope you enter into the space of your calling as a hematologist. And it doesn't even matter if your real name is hematologist, like, you know, professionally, or whether it's obstetrician gynecologist who's interested in issues in hematology, or whether it's anesthesiologist who's interested in issues in hematology, or whether it's a resident or a fellow, don't wait until they give you an important name to make change happen. You know what you can do. Your ideas are your ideas. Don't wait until you have legitimacy. You're already legitimate. Your ideas need to come forth because you already have them. So I just I just ask you to stop asking whether you're supposed to be here or not and accept that you are. And now spend more time answering the question of how am I supposed to show up and how do I get my ideas out there into the mainstream of hematology? So I started this talking about how to become a hematologist. Becoming a hematologist is is recognizing the price that was paid in blood for you by people who came before you and by patients. Those diseases we still need to cure. Those life challenges we need to help address. Recognize that you also have a price to pay. Actually, to be honest, you're already paying the price. So becoming a hematologist is making sure that your price counts, that it gives you a return on your investment. And if you're not seeing a return on the investment of the price that you paid, and you think again about where you need to put that investment. We have come to the end of this episode and I hope you got something out of it. I hope that by now you have a sense of what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a woman of color, and what it means to be a woman of color in hematology. I may yet re-record this podcast for a future episode because I think there are many nuanced aspects to womanhood, to colorhood, and to being a hematologist. And so at some point, I'll represent some of these other nuanced aspects again. And I'm interested to understand what your thoughts are. What does it mean to you to be a hematologist? You know, recently I met a psychologist hematologist. I love that. 
because she was talking and I was like, yeah, you know, and I thought she was a resident, but she was like, no, I'm a psychology resident. I was like, wow, I didn't even know that existed. I think she was a psychology fellow. And that warms my heart because there's so many, so many, so many of you doing outstanding work in hematology. And I want to hear about it. Continue the conversation with me online at coagcoach.com. That's C-O-A-G-C-O-A-C-H.com. I look forward to talking with you there. I also just encourage you to have a fantastic week. I want you to walk like you belong. Walk like you belong because you've been walking all along with your head down thinking, huh, do I belong here? Do I belong here? And you look like you don't belong. That's why people question you a lot. I want you to walk like you belong here. Mm -hmm. I want you to practice, actually practice, practice, practice at home. And then when you get to work, you walk like you belong because you do. (laughs) This week, walk like you belong because you do. All right. Enjoy the rest of the week. And I will see you again soon.